All right, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. <clears throat> I'm going to read just a few verses here. It says, whether <clears throat> when you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews, to Greeks, uh, or to the church of God. <clears throat> Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. Paul says, be imitators of me, just as I am also an imitator of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for today, Lord. We just thank you for your word and your truth, Lord. We thank you for the children's message this morning and the worship, Lord. We just um, thank you for just allowing us to see, Lord, again one more time um, your creation, Lord, and what you've done. Just the simple things, Lord, uh, that seem to the eye, but once you dig into it, Lord, it's so complex. And we just thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for the, the worship today, Lord. And uh, I pray, Lord, that it's pleasing to you. And God, I just ask that you uh, guide me, Lord, as we move forward with your word and continue to worship you, Lord, through the preaching of it. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> let's go ahead and go to John, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And we're, the verses we'll be going over <clears throat> are verses 5 through 10. I'll read them and then we'll get to our study. It says, <clears throat> and this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not do truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us all right <clears throat> so that is our text for today um as I began to study for the, the, the message today, I got to the verse, verse, and I'm like, you know what? I said, I think this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to focus on this one verse, that God is light. So I spent probably a day and a half just studying, going through it, reading all that I could. And when I sat down to pen it, I couldn't think of anything I just learned. It was just dull, right? So there I am, I, I took it out of my outline, I moved it by itself, I just took that one verse, and, and I'm like, well, so I just feel like this is what needs to be done, right? So anyways, I kept going and going, and then finally, after pushing back, I guess, against the Holy Spirit, I'm like, you know what, maybe I should, I should just do the rest of the verses with it. And so I did, and so then I felt at peace, it was easy, it, was, it went smoothly, so I pray that, uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit was guiding me and it wasn't just something you know, out of the flesh or my own natural desires, but, you know, what stuck in my mind was that we committed to go slow. We wanted to make sure that you understood, you know, what we're talking about, the details in God's word. And so I, I just naturally tried to do that, but I think this text is not for that, so we'll leave that 
to Owen one day to come back and explain it in detail what light is, right, and how it re reflects in God, to God. And uh, he did talk about it briefly last week, and I will talk about it briefly today, but I'm not going to go into the full detail of what it means, but just the, the meat of it so we can move forward and understand the rest of the text. <clears throat> so, um, anyways, I enjoyed this study. Um, it uh, was refreshing. It allowed me to be still. I lost my voice Tuesday, and I'm like, man, I hope I can get it back by by Sunday. And so it allowed me to be still. It allowed me to stay inside the house a little bit longer than normal. Usually I'm outside trying to get things done. I think both Saturday and Friday I escaped twice, which is not too bad <coughs> for me. And so uh, it was good. It was good just to slow down and just meditate on these things. So it wasn't a, a time of... Um, waste, right? It was good, and maybe that one message was just for me. So, all right, so let's move forward now. We've gone through the first four verses, and now we are at this verse, and this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, okay? There is so much depth, there is so much richness in that text alone that that's why I felt originally compelled to slow down and talk about that. <clears throat> so, John has just established his authority. Okay, Owen talked about that last week, verses 1 through 4. Um, he's just established his authority to deliver a message through the proclamation of historical facts about Jesus and his true significance. Christ is his source and authority for this epistle. If you go back and look at the first four verses, you'll see that. Okay, this is almost like Paul giving us his introduction to his letter. But Paul starts out with just saying, hey, I am Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God. Or in some letters he'll say, Paul, a slave of Christ, Jesus called as an apostle. Or something of that nature, right? But here John gives us gives some credentials of an apostle rather than just calling himself an apostle. Okay. <clears throat> which has authority, right? He could just say, hey, John, an apostle, and he could have skipped some of that stuff. <clears throat> but John is also known for his humility. You know, we see in the gospel of John that he never mentions himself by name or he minimizes any part that's associated to him. You know, um, most people think that he is the no-namer that we've talked about in John. I believe that myself. Just because he doesn't name himself is the reason why I believe that. He is known as the one whom Jesus loved. We talked about that as well. <clears throat> in, the first four in the first four verses here, he was with Christ from the beginning. He heard him and seen him with his own eyes and ears, and he touched him. Okay? This proves that he was trained directly by Christ while he was here on his earthly ministry. He was made manifest to them on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, Christ revealed his true self to them. There were three. And then John has longed to be in the presence of Christ longer than any other apostle. So not only does he give us the example of maturity because he's the one that lives the longest and we see how the God's word affects an, a, a Christian long term. Um, but also he is probably one of the ones that grieves for him the most, right? He was with Christ for three years and now to live so long and not be in his presence and all his peers are with him would be hard to do. <clears throat> so, now John an apostle brings us to verse 5, okay? 
<clears throat> with a message from Christ, okay, he says it's a message from Christ and declares to us his first point. His first point here is that what? God is light. Then he says, and in him there is no darkness at all. Okay, so this will be our introduction verse for the rest of it. <clears throat> we have in this verse a dual opposite of light and darkness, which can be understood, obviously, in our natural world. Um, light is a proper metaphor for God. It is one of the first foundations of the created universe in Genesis 1, 1 through 3. I think, the, uh, I mean, Owen was talking about plants earlier, but I think you could go on two or three points about how oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange, right, and then light, how it takes it and what it does with it, the plants and animals. Um, but in, the, in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then he says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Light allows and sustains all life. We can't live without it. Okay, we could not survive without light. <clears throat> it makes life more pleasant and safer to live in rather than living in darkness. Okay? Do you feel fear during the day or do you feel fear at night when you're walking? Probably at night most of the time, right? Because you can't see everything. Not that you should be living in fear, but if there's a, a higher chance of fear, it's going to be in darkness, right? In the darkness. Um, <clears throat> it reveals what is hidden. That's what light does, okay? But God is not this kind of light here. Okay, he created this light. This light is made of photons created by God, therefore has no divine qualities. But in John's statement, he, he describes God. He says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. One commentator says, just as light and darkness cannot physically coexist in the same place, John uses this duality to explain what constitutes fellowship with God and what disqualifies a person from fellowship. Because sin and righteousness are as mutually exclusive as light and darkness. Okay, end quote. So, another thing too, light is also illustrated as many things in scripture. Such as the glory of God. The purity of God. And the wisdom of God, <clears throat> the guidance of God, the favor of God, as Christ, the source of all wisdom, as the word of God, as the gospel, believers as the light, right? We are the, the salt and light of the world, okay? So light is an important metaphor here. <clears throat> but saying that God is light or by saying that God is light, we are saying that he is absolutely holy, absolutely righteous, and absolutely pure. God cannot look with favor on any form of sin. Nothing is hidden with God. And we get that from Hebrews 4.13. It says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are uncovered and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we have an account to give. Okay, but all things are uncovered and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we have an account to give. That's a tough passage. There are no secret sins, okay? There is no secrets. 
God is radiantly and beautifully good and unsustained and unstained by any moral defilement. Therefore, anyone who claims to know God and yet practices evil, right, or they not just to know God but proclaim a relationship with God and a little bit more in depth, they practice evil, they contradict their profession to God. Okay, <clears throat> you can't claim to have a relationship with God but yet do evil deeds purposely. The statement that God is light <clears throat> and that in him there is no darkness at all is a definition of ethical and moral goodness. For John goes on to say that those who walk in darkness cannot be in fellowship with God. Okay. <clears throat> God in his goodness as a person in Christ is our example of holiness. Okay, he came out and lived it for us. So not only is he holding the bar, but he actually came out and lived it. He is our example of holiness, righteousness, and love. He is the prime example of goodness. Okay, goodness is neither above God nor below God. Goodness is one of God's eternal attributes. Without his goodness, he could not be God. So he will always be good, as our text proclaims, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Okay, it's a double. No darkness, he could have just ended with no darkness, but at all. There is no darkness at all. It's a double negative. God is our example and standard to us <clears throat> of ethical perfection. Okay, he calls us to imitate him. Okay, we see that in Leviticus 19.2. <clears throat> he, he calls us to imitate what he, what he is and what he does. And we see that in Matthew 5.43-48. God does not need anyone to tell him what to do. He, he does what is good because it is his character to do so. He can do nothing else, okay? He does good because it is the deepest desire to do so. God's goodness and his being are one, okay? They are his attributes. Our world, our, our world today is fighting to redefine morality in our world, have you guys noticed that? That we are in the fight for redefining morality. They're trying to redefine morality. <clears throat> but it is only God himself, the creator and sustainer of all life, who can authoritatively define moral truth. Only God can do that. To know God is therefore to know truth about how to live in the way that he intends. Okay? That's what moral truth is. To live in fellowship with God is to live a life of obedience to God's moral truth, and only then can our fellowship with God be sustained. We need to live out the truth of our profession, okay, which is the next text here. Verse 6 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do the, we lie and do not do the truth. Okay, so what John is saying is that if we proclaim Christ, then our life should reflect it. Do our lives reflect Christ? If you proclaim Christ, does your life reflect it? Don't ask me because it's hard to answer, right? We see our imperfections, okay? <clears throat> I'm preaching to myself, but I have to ask the question. 
<clears throat> if we claim to have fellowship with God but walk in darkness, we are clearly lying. Okay? We should not be walking in a way that is contra contradictory to the light of God. Okay? Light of God. I've seen multiple times in cultural Christianity. I know when I lived in Texas, this was really, I struggled with this. I was actually excited to move down there because, you know, the Bible Belt, the Bible Belt, right? People talked about it. You know, you saw in politics, you saw on the news, the Bible Belt, the Bible Belt. But I'll tell you what, it's not a Bible Belt, right? It's just another, it's a, it's a I, I call it, it's cultural Christianity. They're just good people. That's it. But there is no relationship with God that I saw. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying everybody's that way. I'm just talking in general, right? <clears throat> they claim God to be their number one, yet they have a lifestyle that contradicts the light. I know when I was out in the oil field working with, I was a, a pumper at that time. I was training a gentleman, and uh, I was riding with him, and this new country song comes out about how, well, I don't even remember the text, I mean the, the verses, but uh, it said that, that beer is good and God is great. Or I can't remember anyways. But I have it backwards? Okay. <laughs> and that used to frustrate me like nobody's business. And uh, it has a good catchy tune. But to just say that God is good and then put him next to those things, it just really was frustrating to me. And I saw my first sample of what cultural Christianity looked like. Okay. So they claim God to be their number one. Yet they have a lifestyle that contradicts the light. <clears throat> Just because you are aware of God and his goodness does not mean you are walking with him. Okay? That's tough. You may know God. You may have been, you know, uh, raised in the church. You may have had a good Sunday school teacher, a good pastor. But if your life does not reflect it, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> okay? If you know him... So just because you are aware of God and his goodness does not mean you are walking with him, okay? You may look the part, but if there's no relationship, then it means nothing. Also, they believe that God is there for convenience. He is there a get-out-of-jail card, right? You start talking, well, yeah, well, God will forgive me. Yeah, he will. He'll forgive you. And we'll talk about the different type of sin first, sin and sins. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. They trample on the cross as if <clears throat> it were a backdoor farm doormat. I was sitting there in my back, <laughs> at my desk in my back. I said, man, I was going to put trampling on the cross, but I remember, I don't know if it was Noah or Merrily that would come over. They're helping with the pigs. And I said, hey, before you walk in the house, make sure you take your boots off because I don't think my wife's going to like that smell. <laughs> and so I started thinking about that. And for some reason, that came to my mind. And so I, I pinned that. I said, they trample on the cross as if it were a backdoor farm doormat, right? They take advantage of the cross, but they are liars. They claim to know God, but they really don't. There's no relationship, okay? And then in the verse, it tells us to walk, okay? It says, if we, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not we lie and do not do the truth. Okay? So as we've talked about in Colossians, to walk means to act in a certain way one lives and behaves. Okay? But here in, in, in the word, it, it, it's a word used in the Old Testament 
to be skillful doing it. Um, and, and I think when in Colossians, I gave the example of Bezalel when he was building the tabernacle. He was filled with the Spirit, okay? So likewise, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord as we too are part of building, a part of building the body of Christ in which the Lord lives, okay? So walk in a way <clears throat> one lives and behaves in a skillful way. Deuteronomy 5.33 tells us, in all the way which Yahweh your God has commanded you, you shall walk, that you may live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. We see in Psalms 1.1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Okay, but here not only is it, are we to walk, but it's saying to walk in the light. Okay, means allowing God's revealed will to motivate and guide one's actions and decisions. To live and behave in a way that is <coughs> contra contra contradictory to God means that one is not living out the truth. We are to live out the truth, okay? If you're not living out the truth, your salvation may have never been real. And we'll see that in John later. So maybe they left us because they were never of us. Truth is not one's opinion or a doctrine that needs to be believed or accepted. To do the truth means to live in accordance with God's definition of truth in all our words and decisions. What is the truth, church? What is the truth? God's word, that's right. Are we living it? Are we obeying it? <clears throat> so to do the truth means to live in accordance with God's definition of truth in all our words and decisions. I told you John's black and white, right? So I'm trying to portray the same perspective, but it's hard for maybe for myself. Are we living it? Clearly John here aligns lies and self-deceit with darkness. Do not live in such a way, okay? Let's not live that way. And he says do not do the truth. The verb do here and do not do the truth explains that they are habitually choosing to walk in darkness. It is ongoing by their own choice. That's what he's saying. <clears throat> if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. We are purposely not doing the truth. It's harder to know the truth and then not follow it. <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> so, again, the verb do explains that they are habitually choosing to walk in darkness. It is ongoing by their own choice. Now we get to verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. If one walks in the light, then he can have fellowship with the Lord Jesus and with his fellow Christians, okay? We can have fellowship with our brothers if we walk in the light. If we are truly walking in the light, we can have fellowship with the Lord and our uh, brothers in Christ. As far as John is concerned, though, in this passage, a man is either in the light or in darkness, okay? <clears throat> He does not have anything in common with God because there is no darkness in God at all. Remember we saw that? The two negative absolutes. There is no darkness in God at all. 
those who walk in the light, that is, those who are Christians, us, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from all of our sin. Okay, so what he's saying here. All God's forgiveness is based on the blood of his son that was shed on the cross. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can bring. Forgiveness is based on what Christ did on the cross for us. <clears throat> his death provided God with a righteous basis on which he can forgive sins. It is an everlasting, continuous cleanse for us. It's like wiping it down continuously. We never see it. There's no moment for stain to show up because it's a continual clean, cleansing. But of course, we must confess before we can receive forgiveness, okay? And like I said, we'll look into that in verse 9 here in a minute about sin and sins. <clears throat> um, so now... We move forward to verse 8. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So to have fellowship with God requires that we acknowledge the truth concerning ourselves. Um, for instance, to deny that we have a sinful nature means self-deception, untruthfulness. Okay, But notice that John makes a distinction between, here's, here it is here, not verse 9, but verse 8. But look what he does here. Uh, he makes a distinguish between sin. He says, if we say that we have no sin, okay, and in verse 9 he says, sins, if we confess our sins, so you see sin and sins, <clears throat> sin refers, single sin refers to our corrupt evil nature, okay. Then sins in verse 9 refers to evils that we have done. Actually what we are is a lot worse than anything we have ever done. But praise the Lord <clears throat> that Christ died on the cross for our sins, right? But you catch that, that we are actually worse than anything we've ever done. Does that make sense? Like no matter what you can do, you're always going to be worse than that. Okay? So you see sin versus sins. <clears throat> um, conversion does not mean that... Sin is, is gone, that is eliminated, it's eradicated. Rather, it means the implanting of the new divine nature with power to live victoriously over indwelling sin. Okay? That's what happens when we are converted. <clears throat> we are changed, okay? And we have the power to overcome sin. Now, if we go look at verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful. <clears throat> And righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, okay, we make God a liar. The truth is not in us. And this is the original sin. And then this, that is instant sanctification. And now in verse 9, we have the progressive sanctification. And I'll talk about more detail on that. Verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, okay, in order for us to walk day by day with God and with our fellow believers, we must confess our, confess our sins, okay? These are sins of commission, sins of omission, sins of thought, sins of acts, secret sins, any public sins, any type of sin, we must confess them, okay? We must drag them out into the open before God and repent, call them by their names, take <clears throat> take sides with God against them 
and forsake them. Okay? True confession involves forsaking of sins. If we look at Proverbs 28.13, it says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will receive compassion. When we do that, we can trust that God is faithful and just to forgive. He is faithful in the sense that he has promised to forgive and will abide by his promise to cleanse us. <clears throat> he is just to forgive because he has found a righteous basis for forgiveness in the work of the Lord, right? The substitutionary work of the Lord on the cross for us. That should have been us, but it was him. And not only does he guarantee to forgive, but also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? The forgiveness John speaks about here is like a, <clears throat> so the first one is, well, so there's an example. I, I took this from a commentator. I thought it was really good. I'd never seen it this way. Maybe you guys have. But the forgiveness John speaks about here is parental, not judicial. Okay. Judicial forgiveness means forgiveness from the penalty of sins, right? So I think that's what the first sin is, okay? <clears throat> Which the sinner receives when he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is that sin. It is called judicial because it is granted by God acting as judge. <clears throat> but what about sins which a person commits after conversion? Like what's the difference, okay? As far as the penalty is concerned, the price has already been paid by the Lord Jesus on the cross. But as far as fellowship in the family of God is concerned, the sinning believer needs parental forgiveness, okay? The forgiveness of his father. He obtains it by confessing his sin. We need judicial forgiveness only once. Okay, that's that once of, uh, that once uh, of forgiveness, right? When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that initial forgiveness, that instant sanctification, and now we have the progressive, right? We need to do judicial forgiveness only once. Okay, that takes care of the penalty of all of our sins, our past, present, and future, but we need, to, but we need parental forgiveness throughout our Christian life, okay? How many of us you know, we get saved and we continue to stumble, we sin, and we're like, man, I'm not saved, I'm not, you know, you have a guilt of your sin, you know, that's just not, man, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not, right? More than likely you are if you are struggling with your sin, if you hate your sin, okay? <clears throat> that is, you need parental forgiveness from that perspective, Okay? When we confess our sins, we must believe on the authority of the word of God that he forgives us. And if he forgives us, we must be willing to forgive ourselves. Okay? So, again, <clears throat> we need parental forgiveness throughout our Christian life. This is after you've been saved. God initially saves you, and then from there he is, gives you that parental forgiveness. Like your children, no matter what they do, they will always be your children. But you'll always discipline them. And even if you disown them, they will still be your children. Okay? <clears throat> so, when we confess our sins, we must believe on the authority of the word of God that he forgives us. And if he forgives us, we must be willing to forgive ourselves. So now we get to the last verse here. <clears throat> if we say that we have not sinned, 
we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So finally, in order to be in fellowship with God, we must not deny that we have committed acts of sin, okay? If we say that we have not sinned. When I was a, a believer, a first young believer, uh, I lived in Hobbs, and at that time there was um, a teaching out there called sinless perfection. It was real big at that time that once we are saved, then we have no sin, okay, because we are like God, and God is without sin. And I remember my mentor telling me that he had approached somebody and said, hey, what about this verse right here? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And uh, he had challenged me. <laughs> he probably did a little more extreme than I would have, but he gave him a pair of scissors and said, would you cut this out of my Bible because it contradicts what you're saying. I think he was trying to make his point across. But again, <clears throat> in order to be in fellowship with God, we must not deny that we have committed acts of sin. Okay, we still have sin in us. We still commit sin. <clears throat> God has stated over and over in his, in his word that all have sinned, right? That's Romans. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That 323. To deny this is to make God a liar, okay? And why is that? Because with no sin, no gospel is needed, right? So if God came to die for something that didn't exist then we're making him a liar, right? He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. <clears throat> to deny this is to make God a liar. It's a, it's a flat contradiction of his word, right? And a complete denial of the reason the Lord Jesus came to suffer, bleed, and die for us on the cross. So we see that fellowship with God does not require lives of sinlessness, but rather requires that all our sins should be brought out into his uh, presence, confessed and forsaken. It means that we must be absolutely honest about our condition and that there should be no hypocrisy or hiding of what we really are. Okay? Because we all know who we are. Christ knows who we are. <clears throat> and so, you know, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. <clears throat> so remember what, the, what Christ did, right? He died on the cross for our sins because you can't, we can't do it on our own. There is nothing that we can do that can save us. We are dependent on Christ and Christ alone Everybody is already going to hell, okay? After the fall of man, every man is destined to hell. So Christ had to come, right? He didn't just come for those who, um, who were not going to hell, right? Everybody was going to hell, so for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? John three sixteen. So he came and he died for the world, <clears throat> So that we could have an opportunity to live eternal life with him if we put our faith and trust in him. We are all sinful. God is holy. There is nothing that we can do to erase that except believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? All right. So let's pray and we'll end our message here. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. I pray that... Um, 
my message was clear this morning today, Lord, and that you were honored in it, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for just reminding me, Lord, of, of who I am without you and who I am still with you, a sinner, Lord, that needed to be saved, and now an imperfect child, Lord, stumbling through the way of life, trying to become more like you, Lord, but find myself failing every day. But Lord, I know that if we are faithful to uh, take our sins to you, Lord, that you are faithful and just to forgive them as a parent does his child, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for that example. We thank you that we can come to you and trust you, Lord. These are not just recommendations, Lord, but this is your truth being spoken out. This is a promise, Lord, that you have given us. And God, I just pray that... uh, If there's anybody here today who's taking advantage of this, Lord, if there's anybody here who knows your truth and is raised in it or maybe just knows it, but yet they trample on the cross, Lord, I pray that they seek forgiveness, Lord. They seek purity, Lord, in you because you are pure, Lord, and I pray that you convict their hearts, Lord, because the place that's for them, Lord, is not a place any of us want to go. But we thank you, Lord, for what you've done on the cross for us, that you've made a way out for us. As we mentioned in John 3, 16, Lord, that you gave your son so that we can escape eternal death, Lord, but glorify you and the way we live. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your message, Lord. And we pray in your name. Amen.